Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. Mike, the Cardinals are flying high at the Young Center. They're rolling up on you, One bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, with your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. I can't even contain myself. I mean, a bunch of chicken because I, I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know, man. I mean, they have they have told that's a three pointer by UConn, by the way. Uh, they have totally dominated this game from the word go. But let's face it, UConn is overrated in my opinion. I want anybody out there, all you East Coast listeners or who have you, that that call me an idiot. I want you to tell me why UConn is rated as high as they are. Well, when you say overrated, you mean over the raid over Kentucky? Oh, oh, oh! They email. Oh my God! Hey, this this very rarely happens. Do we have a Louisville game on ever on Red vs. Blue? Matter of fact, I think this is the first time ever Red vs. Blue has been on. During a live Red versus uh, or, or the Cardinals during thing, a live Red versus Blue telecast. So that's, we're a, good, right that, that's a good thing, Scott. I tell you what, I don't I don't know how much of this I can take because <laughs> but, no, I can take a whole lot because uh, hey. I just watch. I love watching Little Brother get a good win, and that's that's all, that's good for him. Hey, the game is on, but we're gonna we're gonna hop right into uh, football action. Uh, thanks to everybody for joining Red versus Blue tonight. Uh, we've got uh, Taz just showed up in the chat room. Haven't seen you in a while, buddy. Welcome to Red vs. Blue. We've uh, we, we've got a little bit of a dynasty spin going on tonight uh, for all of our listeners. We Really, the only listeners that are around right now are the hardcore dynasty guys that are uh, still looking for some football action uh, on a Friday night. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's Friday, what is it, February uh, the 19th? Is that what it is? Are we already on the 19th, Mike? Because the, the month is just fought, it's the 18th. It'll be the 19th. It won't be long to re-up into those Dynasty Leagues and get ready to go for, with them. Got to re-up in the Dynasty Leagues if you want to be able to trade. And you got to be a quick trader. you got to jump all over the action before so you're not left out in the cold. Hold the bag. The guys that are the target guys, if you remember last year, Jermichael Finley was a highly coveted guy. If you didn't jump on him early, the guy that was in love with him early got him. So, you know, you got to get these guys early that you want. So our job is to help you understand who those guys are going to be. Maybe just talk it out with you, uh, feel it out on, on all the different types of uh, situations that you might have with your dynasty leagues. Let's, let's get all the, uh, the the fundamentals out of the way. We're streaming live on uh, FSC.FM. That's TheFantasySportsChannel.com. Mark Ronick and the guys do a great job over there, streaming 24-7, seven days a week. Uh, fantasy football, fantasy baseball, all fantasy sports you could possibly handle. Taz has a great show. Definitely check out Fantasy Taz. Uh, he's on uh, the Fantasy Sports Channel. We've uh, we've got our Red versus Blue inbox. You can do uh, Red Blue Radio at gmail.com. We look forward to uh, getting your questions answered there. We've got a couple of those today. We've got uh, you can reach us at Twitter Red Blue Radio. Uh, Twitter at Red Blue Radio. And then you can also reach us on HighStakesFootball.com where we cover the world of high-stakes fantasy football. Uh, Mike, we get all that out of the way. You can obviously download and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, just click the little subscribe button. We'd love it if you would uh, friend our, our show on Blog Talk Radio so that you can get reminded every single week of the podcast that we do. Okay, Mike, we got all that out of the way. What's going on in the world of the NFL? Obviously, the collective bargaining agreement and the NFL are now going to mediation. Uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing or nothing? Uh, I don't I don't really know what to make of it. All I do know is that these guys will get it done. There's too much money left on the table uh, for either one of these, these sides to not get it done. We talked about it last week. I said, I went on the record saying that they would probably miss some time. It would be catastrophic, catastrophic if they did. 
but there's nothing really urging these teams, these sides to act, Mike. So I think you have to almost miss some time before the urgency really settles in for one of these sides. What's your take? Well, uh, if they miss some time, the urgency is going to be on the player's side. The owners don't care. They don't like they don't like what's going on with the agreement. Uh, they want to have it restructured. Uh, so I'll be honest with you, Scott. Uh, after thinking about it over the course of the last week, week and a half, uh, the owners, in my opinion, they could care less if they lock them out until a year from now. Just chatting in the chat room with the crew here at Red vs. Blue. Uh, we've got uh, the, the Twitter draft, master draft, getting ready to start. We just had a, a wonderful draft over at footballguys.com. That's the nice consecutive 2012 win season for the Louisville Cardinals. Way to go. Peyton Siva, 360 dunking all over UConn and Jim Calhoun. That's 2-0 Jim Calhoun. All over uh, UConn. All over overrated UConn. Woo-wee. You know, oh, Jim Callen, oh, there's another look at the dunk right there. Uh, look, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a crazy situation going on. We also have a crazy situation in the NBA. You know, Carmelo Anthony, Mike. I know you. I know you watch yeah. the NBA just enough to just enough to be interested. And and uh, I know the Indiana Pacers up here in Indianapolis are actually a rebuilding team, so there's not really a lot for me to talk about. They did have a, a decent little game against. LeBron and the Heat when they came up here a couple of days ago, but did you right. get the chance to see that that full court alley oop pass, Dwayne Wade inbounding yeah. all the distance of the court against my Pacers <laughs> and LeBron uh, alley oops it all full quarter. Scott, that was unbelievable. It was almost like I mean, it was a t- you're talking about ninety six feet, and not only ninety six feet, it was ninety six feet caught in hand. To the basket, no problem. I mean, that that's that's NFL type stuff, and that was an amazing pass. And uh, speaking of your uh, Indiana Pacers, uh, they've done a they've done a heck of a job with their new coach right now. Uh, they've won the seven out of the last nine. I'm not a big NBA fan. I watch it, of course. I'm I was real excited last Friday when the Cleveland Cavaliers finally won a game, but they. Did win another game this week against uh, the Lakers. <laughs> who who doesn't yeah. beat the Lakers these days? You've got uh, you've got uh, the NFL happenings today. Uh, Jim Irsay tweeted on his Twitter account that they would they did release safety Bob Sanders. Mike, this is a guy that is a uh, Troy Polamalu type impact player when he plays, but he can't seem to stay healthy the last several years. He has just not been able to get it done. There's obviously uh, rumors on where he might land. Jerry Jones is one possible option for Bob Sanders. Uh, what do you think about uh, Bob Sanders and where he might end up? Well, you know what, Scott, that really didn't surprise me because of uh, the injury situations uh, that he's had. Um, you know, it's kind of tough for a team to want to let go of somebody but then again, you're letting go of a lot of uh, salary there as well. Uh, he's going to end up somewhere like maybe a Dallas that could that could be a good fit, uh, or even a uh, New England. I mean, they could even go with somebody uh, like Bob Sanders. But uh, he's been a staple for Indianapolis, and it's kind of too bad. 
that they have to let him go, but it, it was it was a move that they had to make, uh, you know, at this time. You got the re-signing of uh, or or uh, Peyton Manning getting the franchise uh, designation. Obviously, he's not going anywhere. He'll retire at Colts. You know, it's all it's, it's hard to believe. We had this uh, discussion at lunch today over at Caboodles, Mike, and um, you know, we we talked about uh, the great Joe Montana's and the, you know Brett Favre's and how they ended up in different uniforms by the time their their career was over. Could you ever envision the number eighteen Peyton Manning in another? Uniform. I mean, not with this organization, not with that player. He could never play somewhere else. You never know, Scott. You never know. I say right now, no, because Peyton Manning, he uh, he carries himself that good. Uh, he's loyal to the organization. But all those guys you were talking about, they were loyal to the organization in their prime. Now, you talk about when you get when you get through your prime, ah. Uh, they're done with you. They're done. They're going in a different direction. They're they're finding a different quarterback. Indianapolis, they're going to have a different quarterback in five years. Well, he's a, he's somebody that can definitely play a long, long time. Peyton Manning, the cerebral assassin here. He could he he has the uh, the, the the Iron Man will of a Brett Favre. And uh, all the stats in the world, uh, a la Dan Marino. He's got one Super Bowl ring, a lot, a little less than we expected. Obviously, with this type of uh, pedigree and career that he's had, you know, I would have, I would have expected. You know, if you would have asked me five, six years ago, I would have said he'd had a couple by now. But uh, he did have his chance. Drew Brees stole it from him uh, to have a to have two. And if he would have got that second, he'd go down as a, you know, an immortal quarterback. I think he really needs that second to get that immortal. That immortal tag. See, I disagree. I disagree. And the reason I say that is look at the stats. Look at the numbers. Um, you know, so many times a lot of quarterbacks are, uh, you know, their legacy is how many Super Bowls did you win? Well, uh, Dan Marino, I don't think, uh, according to my recollection, he didn't win a single one. And uh, he will go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks that, that's ever played the game. Um, Steve Young, uh, he's won a couple. Uh, Joe Montana, he did his deal. John Elway, he won in his twilight. Say he didn't win that uh, Super Bowl in his twilight of his career. He would still be one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever played the game. So, uh, you know, as far as Peyton Manning, he is going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever played the game. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer right now. No question about it. Uh, the Jets announced this week that they hope to re-sign uh, San Antonio Holmes and Braylon Edwards before they get to the defense in Antonio Cromartie. Uh, some have questioned that move, obviously, because the you know the the the, the ends there, Revis and Cromartie, make for a, a very dangerous defensive unit that that can really shut down. Uh, a lot of uh, offensive schemes out there. Obviously, you, you run into the Peyton Mannings and, and, and Roethlisberger that are very hard to stop. But, uh, look, uh, Holmes and Edwards over Cromartie. I agree on the Holmes. I'm not so sure about the Edwards, but the, the, the thought here is that they believe surrounding this, you know, my, my boy Mark Sanchez, this young quarterback with Holmes and Edwards, it's essential uh, is, is what they're calling it. So, Mike, I don't know. What do you think about uh, them securing Edwards before getting to Cromartie. Well, I would I would go ahead and secure Cromartie first off. 
but you know they they do need to uh, they need to surround uh, Mark Sanchez with everything they can. This team uh, they blew off a lot at the beginning of last year with uh, you know hard knocks and everything like that. Uh, they kind of tried to follow it up. They didn't quite do it, but it's like I said, they're on the cusp of doing something very special, and they just need to you know carry it uh, forward. Uh, the only way to do that is to shore up guys like that, like Cromarty. And uh, but I don't know if Edwards is is right to do that with uh, with Sanchez or not. Shore, shore up your defense first, man. All right, we've got uh, Kevin Cobb enters his fifth season this year without something he had at the start of his fourth year, Mike, and that's a starting job. Uh, he's definitely an, uh, an important insurance policy to uh, Michael Vick, who, you know, we know could get injured at any time, uh, but he's definitely a valuable trade commodity. He's only due $1.4 million next season. Uh, we, we've seen this work in the past with Matt Schaub. Remember, he went on and, and found success uh, from a backup role. I'm going to give you a couple of teams, Mike, and uh, you tell me where you think he fit best. You've got the Niners. I see the Browns. The Cardinals, the Dolphins, the Titans, and the Vikings. Which team do you think would be the best fit for Kevin Cobb? None of the above. How about Cincinnati Bengals? Carson Palmer retires. Hmm. You know, you need a you need a franchise quarterback if you're going to do anything in Cincinnati. And, and Palmer, after that injury, he never looked the same. So, okay, I can buy that. That's not on my list, but. Uh, I, I could buy that. San Francisco seems to be I, overwhelming. I, I, I mean, Carson Palmer, he's already said, look, I want to either be traded or I'm going to retire. Now, I don't know if, he, if he's blowing smoke or not, but uh, if he is, wow. then, uh, you know, that that's a cheap option. And Cincinnati is a cheap market in the NFL, and that would be a perfect viable option for the Bengals to do is go get Kevin Cobb. Well, uh, we know that there's a big man crush going on between uh, Kevin Cobb and Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, just just to catch you up, that uh, um, the ESPN had first reported that the Cardinals had asked Fitzgerald for input on who they might pursue to play quarterback. And Wivenhunt later confirmed that the team had indeed discussed the situation with their star wide receiver. And, and why not? I mean, that's Fitzgerald. That's you better be asking him who he'd rather get catch the ball from. But I'll tell you this: if he doesn't end up in Arizona and he ends up in San Francisco catching, you know, and throwing balls to Michael Crabtree, that to me, look, and Vernon Davis, that could be one scary team. And we said it last year; it didn't happen. But look, don't we don't we all agree that the reason the Niners didn't fire on all cylinders, point it right squarely. I mean, I don't even point it at the coaching staff, even though that was obviously a meltdown and they couldn't handle the struggle and the letdown. But point squarely at the quarterback. There's no question in my mind if you gave a quarterback like Kevin Cobb to Frank Gore and Vernon Davis and Michael Crabtree, that team and that defense, that team would be a playoff contender. Yeah, you know, I do do agree with you there, Scott. you know, all they need is a strong arm. Uh, San Francisco, the quarterback situation, they have never had a strong arm, a, a guy that can just, you know, just wail it to like a guy like Crabtree or Davis and just say, here you go, here's the ball, go get it. 
and they haven't had that in a long time, and that's an opportunity. Now, can you imagine that with Frank Gore eating up 10, 15 yards at a time? I mean, that could be very scary, but, you know, they still have a lot of things to fill. Uh, offensive line is weak, very weak. And uh, so, you know, you, you gotta you got to – Taking all those equations and make sure that everything is right before you go in and uh, sign a quarterback uh, like a Kevin Cobb. Because I'm not saying Kevin Cobb is the end-all, be-all, but Kevin Cobb, he can be very good. Well, hey, I just I just read off a bunch of teams there that need quarterbacks, and the problem is I don't see a lot of star-quality quarterbacks here in the free agent market or available. I mean, this list of names uh, that you have, I mean, Matt Hasselbeck maybe gets traded, and then, you know, Charlie Whitehurst picks up the slack in Seattle. Okay. But then you've got, you know, here's who's hitting the market, Mike. We talked about this last week. Matt Moore and Alex Smith and Matt Leinert and Bolger and Todd Collins and Caleb Haney, <laughs> you know, uh, Chad Pennington, Tavares Jackson maybe, well, me- Bruce Kowski maybe. I mean, they're just not. Well, let, well, let me ask you, Doc. Would you uh, would you put uh, any of those quarterbacks you just listed? Where would you put Cam Newton in there? Man, that's a complete dark horse to me. We are going to have a quarterback rookie show, uh, a rookie quarterback show, and Cam Newton will be discussed at that time. But Cam, Cam is one of those guys that he's got that Tim Tebow effect, right? It's like, how good is he? What kind of a difference right. maker is he? Does he have he has better mechanics, they say, and a better release than Tebow. So I don't think he's going to fit into that category. But is he a day one starter, or is he somebody that you want to, you know, sit behind for a while? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have my mind made up on that, and and it'll it'll take me a little bit more time before I, before I probably do. Ooh. Wow, they have yeah. uh, they've got some some of that action on the NBA tonight. Uh, well, obviously, I'm the, uh, I'm watching that too right now. Yeah. Sophomore, uh, sophomore game. Blake yeah, Griffin. Yeah, Blake Griffin and John Wall. There you go. There's two. There's two big. Uh, two wow. big names on the rookie squad. That should should put it to the sophomores. <laughs> All right. Well, back I mean, to the Man, I've, I've got a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. Man, and and look, I mean, what are you going to do in Washington? What are you going to do in Tennessee? What are you going to do in Minnesota? And we've already talked about San Fran and the Bengals. I mean, there's, 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 in Miami. I mean, these are these are quality teams, quality uh, you know programs that that desire desperately for a franchise quarterback. And, and I don't see a lot in the draft. We'll talk about that next you know in the next couple of weeks. But let, let's go ahead and move to the draft, Mike, because we we told the listeners that we would be talking about dynasty NFL rookie running backs. And we'd also be talking about NFL dynasty trades. And what spurred this? What spurred you to have this show this week? Because we could have went a lot of different directions. I've got a couple of guys I've been wanting to have on the show for a while now. Uh, but what spurred this is, is, is all week long, you know, I'm involved in this uh, FFPC dynasty league, this 1250 dynasty league. It's got a huge entry fee. It's got a huge payout at the end of the year. And uh, this is our first uh, off season uh, that we've had. And and after our first inaugural year, I made the playoffs but didn't make the money, and that was a, that was the saddest part because then that puts you in the middle tier of draft picks and all that. And you know, luckily I did a little bit of strategic uh, trading throughout the year, and I do I, I did acquire the number two rookie pick, so that's a pretty solid pick 
A.J. Green, Mark Ingram type, uh, can be a difference maker for your team. But I've been involved in trade discussions with the, one of the number one players in the game, Mike, and it's Chris Johnson of the Titans. I acquired, right. I, I started this dynasty league off with him. He was the unanimous number one pick last year. This year things looked a little different for Chris Johnson and the whole Titans team, obviously, but he was still a top ten back on a down year. But I've been getting lots of trade offers for this guy, Mike. Should I even consider – should I even tell you about what I've been offered, or is, is this a guy that you should not even consider trading? I, you know, I don't think you can consider trading him. Uh, we we talk about uh, Chris Johnson in '09. Uh, he was outstanding uh, last year, subpar. But when you, when you really look at his numbers, I mean, it wasn't that subpar. Uh, subpar to '09 standards, sure. The guy is going to be incredible. The only thing that, that kind of bugs me about Chris Johnson is, uh, you know, you got a new quarterback, you got a new coaching staff, everything is brand new. But that could be that could be a positive. Because the reason I say that is because Chris Johnson is the man driving that bus on that team. So he's going to be given every opportunity to do anything he can whenever he wants to. So. I would have a hard time. Uh, it's got to be a special, special offer, Scott, to trade Chris Johnson. I'm just filling in the guys in the chat room. They're trying to help me as well. You know, my uh, my wide receivers are weak with Sidney Rice, Macklin, and Mike Thomas, Johnny Knox. I mean, it's it's Mike Sims Walker never really panned out. My running backs are C.J. D. Will and Best. I've got Olsen and uh, Moyaki at uh, tight end. And uh, my gut's saying to go ahead and, and, and hang on to Chris Johnson, but there's something about this trade that I want to do. So here's the trade, Mike. He's offered me Mark Ingram, the number one pick. Obviously, I wouldn't have to take Ingram there. Uh, Vincent right. Jackson, the wide receiver, and Jared Cook, the tight end. Uh, Vincent Jackson, uh, you know, is a, is a player that is uh, – uh, still on the right side of 30, right? I think he's like a 28. Um, I was trying to get Dwayne Bowe uh, a couple years younger. He had once had him in the deal. He he hasn't put him back in. Uh, I might be able to pull Dwayne Bowe out of it. He was offering Ingram, Vincent Jackson, and throwing in Jared Cook uh, to give me a little bit of an upgraded tight end because my uh, my, my my I only have Moyaki and Olsen. So what do you, what do you think? Would you would you pull the trigger on that or? Uh, Man, you know what? Uh, Jerry Cook, uh, we're still waiting on him. Still waiting. Uh, B. Jacks, Vincent Jackson, uh, like I said, yeah, I mean, he's explosive. He can be really good uh, for, you know, a year or two more, and that's all you're going to get out of him. Um, other than that, I mean, you're giving up Chris Johnson, a guy that uh, – He's going to be explosive for at least four or five more years. I just don't see how you can pull that trigger. Even if they throw in the bow, say they take out uh, Vincent Jackson and throw in bow, I'd still be in the same boat. I mean, I, I'm like, I can't do that. It's very hard to do. Chris Johnson, obviously one of those guys that uh, you get all those points. You can't really replace him with depth. It's very hard to replace him with depth. You have to end up with a difference maker. So, the question is, is Vincent Jackson the type of difference maker that Chris Johnson is? Well, the answer to that is no, obviously. But he does improve my wide receiver course because 
you know, I'm sitting on Macklin, Sidney uh, Rice, who hasn't been the same since the hip injury, no quarterback, uh, Mike Sims-Walker, Johnny Knox, um, Mike Thomas, Aurelius Ben. I mean, just a lot of flyer-type wide receivers that he's got to wait their time to, to really develop, and I don't see elite in them. I, I, I kind of think that Macklin might be elite, but I'm still he's still got to share there with Deshaun Jackson. Well, uh, another thing, Scott, is do you really need Jared Cook? I mean, who are your tight ends again? Yeah, very weak. Uh, Olsen and Moyaki, and it's a, this league awards one and a half points per reception for tight ends. So it's one of those situations where you have to you have to have good tight end scoring because other people are trotting out Dallas Clark and Jacob Tammy and Vernon Davis and Jermichael Finley, and I'm sitting out here saying, "Okay, oh, I got Greg Olsen." Well, what Moyaki could be uh, could be your guy next year, though. I mean, don't don't sell him short, dude. Well, he'll be better. He'll be better, but I don't think he'll be the guy. I think he'll, he'll be better. He'll be better. And, and, he won't be good. And, he'll and be better. <laughs> well, you know, let's let's talk about this uh, this one one rookie pick. Let's we've got a couple of options here. Obviously, AJ Green. He's the. I, I would say that either AJ Green or Mark Ingram are the guys that target at one one. I would I would I would assume that most dynasty leagues are going to covet the running back because running backs are a little more valuable in that in that they. Uh, in this league, you could start four running backs. That, that's pretty valuable, the cold weather, all all, all that. Uh, I know wide receivers have a longer shelf life, and some people try to win with wide receivers, but I think the running backs are the consistent uh, thought of uh, most desirable players. So we look at Mark Ingram, Mike, uh, 5'10", 215 pounds from Alabama. You look at his stats, it's not staggering. You had to watch Alabama, and I know you do. You're an SEC enthusiast, so I'm going to give you the floor on Mark Ingram. 158 carries, 13 touchdowns, had to share the rock all year with Trent Richardson, who is a fantastic young running back. But he averaged 5.7 yards per carry during his career, Mark. Uh, Mark Ingram did. So I don't think Ingram makes it past the Dolphins at 15, Mike. If he does, the Giants are going to scoop him up at 19. Well, this is a very weak class. Uh, it's nothing against Mark Ingram. Uh, I've watched him. Uh, if he would have came out after his junior year, uh, his stock would have rose immensely. Uh, but right now, uh, he he doesn't uh, he doesn't do anything for me. He doesn't do anything for any team. Uh, oh, they would be that excited about him. Uh, I think he'll make an impact, very little impact uh, for whatever team that drafts him. But uh, I will be shocked if he goes. Uh, uh, real high. I mean, because the, the kid. I mean, he can definitely play. He's a great running back, but he's not going to be. Uh, he's not going to set the world on fire for any franchise right now. Yeah. Well, you know, the the thoughts are all over the place on this one. Uh, you know, again, like I said, you know, the Dolphins look like they're primed to take him at fifteen. If they pass for some reason and they say, you know what, there's lots of backs in this draft, we can get one in a second, maybe Ryan Williams or, or one of these other guys that we'll talk about later in the show. If they pass, I, I really think the Giants might take a look at this kid. You know, Bradshaw's contract's going to uh, expire here soon, and Bradshaw already said that he's been told by the team that he is a priority this offseason, but you've got a lockout, delaying free agency. The Giants could cover themselves and draft a running back. And, you know, I, I listened to McShay from ESPN, and he said he's one guy that really belongs in the first round. 
and he said the three things that jumped out to him were the instincts, the lateral quickness, and, it, you know, you've seen him. And they're they're comparing to Emmett Smith. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know. I think that's a, I think pretty quick, right? But, but he thought it was the perfect comparison because he doesn't have all the measurables. You know, Emmett didn't, but, but he went on to be one of the best quarterback, uh, running backs of all time. So, Right. I, I don't know. I mean, everybody assumes you've got another team there that the Redskins would select a quarterback at, at 10, right? But it wouldn't shock me right if, if Shanahan chooses Ingram. I mean, the Redskins no. left himself exposed last year with running back. And, and, and I mean, if you think Ryan Terrain's the answer, God bless you. Maybe he is. But it's definitely not Porter. That ship has sailed. So maybe they maybe they jump up and take a guy. Yeah, well, I remember when uh, Dallas uh, drafted Emmett Smith, and I was like, "Man, this guy's too small. He can't do it." Uh, I'm not. I, I don't question his quickness. He's he's pretty quick, uh, but he's just too small. And I think that's a label that's been uh, put on uh, running backs right now. Uh, but you take a guy like uh, Legarrette Blunt and uh, some of these other guys. Yeah, uh, they're they're not that huge, but they can get the job done, and so uh, it, it's going to uh, those those staffers in in the NFL they know what they're doing, they know what they're scouting for, and they know what they're looking for, and that's uh, part of the deal. And so I I don't know how it's going to shape out, but it, it depends on what each team wants that's going to fit to them, because uh, you know. I mean, shoot, ten years ago, you could grab a you could grab a Mark Ingram and put him in Denver with Mike Shanahan, and he's going to be just fine. But uh, right now, it, things have changed. Well, so Red versus Blue does have Mark Ingram as their number one rookie running back uh, in the NFL rookie draft, and for dynasty oh. leagues everywhere. He's uh, the the guy. Uh, he's Alabama. You know, you might you might say that he's a sister running back. Uh, but man, what a what a back he is! Uh, again, incredible career. He did have to share the ball there, but uh, a fantastic player. Whoever gets him is going to be real happy uh, with Mark Ingram. Now, our number two back, Mike, uh, that I, that I've got ranked number two is Mikel Lashore from Illinois. Uh, 6'1", 230 pounds. Let me give you these stats, Mike, so you can get get to know these guys. Because remember, Mark Ingram grades out higher than Ryan Matthews last year. So, number two, Mikel was short, 280 carries, 1,697 yards, 17 touchdowns. Coming out as a junior, Mike, he had a right. game last year that he rushed for 330 yards. <laughs> Woo! I'll say it again. 330 yards and two touchdowns versus Northwestern. He busted a big 70-yarder that game. He rushed for 120-plus in his last five games, 140-plus in his last four he averaged at least five yards a carry in his last five games, and those five games, Mike, were Michigan, Minnesota, Northwestern, Fresno State, and Baylor. He also catches the ball, 17 receptions, so he does catch. Now, with short, 230 pounds, this kid, he runs behind the pads. Very impressive power, okay? This this kid has a little bit of everything. Now, he's not a burner by any stretch, but... The biggest misconception in the NFL is that 20-plus yard runs that are they're a direct result of straight line speed. That's just not true. The biggest reason backs in the NFL are able to break off these long runs is due to their ability to slip a tackle at the line. 
and that's what this kid does. LaShore can offer an NFL offense what we're what we saw all last year. Uh, this well, kid, I, I don't know. Where he's, I don't know where he's going to end up, Mike, but he's capable of being a 20-carry guy for an NFL team. It wouldn't surprise me if he's drafted somewhere at the end of this first round, if he runs well at the combine. I can see him going to New Orleans, maybe New England. Oh, that'd be nasty. Uh, Cincinnati, maybe, or maybe Washington. Well, either one of those teams would uh, fit him well. Uh, He's got his biggest... uh, the biggest guy in the world right now that is promoting him, his biggest promoter, is from the same school, Rashard Mendenhall. Rashard yeah. Mendenhall has been talking about this kid, saying, of course, obviously, he's going to watch his old school Illinois and saying, you know, talking about him. But uh, Rashard Mendenhall has already talked about him and said, guys, you better watch him. You better grab him. You better nail him because he's going to be very good. Uh, hey, and yeah. the 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 only factor about him is uh, how you know how good is he receiving the ball out of the backfield? But that will come with time. Mike, you know as well as anybody, I got bashed by a lot of folks for having Mendenhall high in my dynasty rankings the last couple of years, and it finally paid off this season. He really showed us what he's made of. Uh, LaShore, like men and all, kind of burst onto the scene in one year, and he's got great vision. You can watch, just go back and watch all the clips of this kid, and you'll see what I'm talking about. He's a prototypical zone running back. He's a, he's a one-cut-and-go type of guy. And, you know, and in order to, to be successful like that, you've got to show patience. And he showed this yeah. year he has exceptional patience, and he hits the hole harder, man, I'm telling you. Now, now, he, if, if you're using Barry Sanders as a measuring meter here, now, you know, LaShore is definitely not your guy, but six foot, 230-pound frame, he's quick. He's nimble. And, uh, look, he took over for Mendenhall, and, and I don't know that I put LaShore in that class, but he's definitely not below average in, in elusiveness. He didn't waste a lot of balls, about, and uh, I know you like that. I know you like that in PPRs. And, and, and as a blocker, the jury's still out. Uh, but he was a primary focus of the offense for Illinois, and that's what I like to see. He's got power. He's got it all. And I'm really growing all the shore as the season progresses here, and and I'm getting kind of – I'm getting a little enamored with this guy. I I wouldn't take him over Mark Ingram. I would take A.J. Green probably over both of them. But then when it comes – push comes to shove, that three pick I think is firmly cemented with Mikel LaShore. Yeah, you know, I, I think so, too. Uh, you know, you're talking about being a patient in the offense. Uh, the patience in the offense in the Big Ten is a big difference than being patient in the offense in the SEC. Uh, the SEC, SEC type of brand of football is urgency, urgency, real quick, fast, fast, fast. Uh, in the Big Ten, it's a little more, a little bit more methodical, and I think that's why uh, Lasorda he might be uh, more fitted for some type of teams in the NFL that like that methodical type of way of just pound, 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 and then boom. Uh, versus uh, Ingram, which is a more flashier type of player, yeah. like the SEC type likes to play. If, if you know what I'm saying on that. Oh yeah. 
you know, a couple. Now, now, obviously, it depends on where these guys end up, where you draft them. Uh, it, you have to find out what what teams they go to, and that'll kind of spell out the rest of these guys here. But these guys can go in any order, and I'm not real sold on which guys I like more. Uh, one guy that I liked a lot last year that I went ahead and drafted in one of my uh, developmental leagues where you actually draft a college guy and you hang on to him, and then if they declare, then you, they, they're inserted on your roster. It's a pretty cool little league. Uh, his name is Ryan Williams from Virginia Tech. I'm sure you're familiar with his name. He's 5'10", 211. He was injured a lot last year. He's a, he, he was a redshirt sophomore, and he and Darren Evans were uh, one of the best backfields in the country went healthy, but that's the problem with Ryan Williams. You don't get that help from him uh, like you need, and, and that's the problem with Ryan Williams. Very flashy player, though. Could could do some damage in the NFL if he goes to the right team, but here's a kid at Virginia Tech who just never could put it together in 2010, just had injuries that hampered him for much of his hokey career. I kind of like him. I, 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 he's got a good build for an NFL running back, good speed, extremely athletic. But I, I'm, I'm just hoping that uh, it, he's going to have to add some weight at this next level. I mean, 200 pounds, you're going to you're gonna take a beating. You know, if he, if he adds that extra 10 pounds like he needs it, maybe 15 pounds, uh, you know, right. he'll, he'll be ready to take on the pounding that the NFL is going to give him. Yeah, he's he's going to need that. Uh, there's a couple other running backs that are out there that uh, you know everybody's looking at. Uh, he's definitely one. Uh, but but like you said, I mean the NFL uh, from college to the NFL, it's a whole different world. Uh, you know, and it, it takes those special uh, those special talents, those special players to make that grade to. to just move straight up and be able to do it and make an impact to that team right away. And I think a lot of those uh, teams right now, with running backs being as thin as they are, they're looking for that guy to make that impact right away. And they don't want to wait. Hey, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's several intriguing situations here. Some of the guys in the chat room, uh, are talking about uh, if, if they end up going to a team that already has a running back, what that does to their value. And boy, that's an interesting that's an interesting discussion to have right yeah. there because if you take, if you take up a Kettle Ashore, a guy that could could be a could be a twenty carry type back in the National Football League, and the Raiders go and grab him because they let go of Michael Bush. So Michael Bush becomes a free agent. He goes to get signed somewhere like Cincinnati or wherever. And then Lashore comes to Oakland. What do you? What happens to Lashore's value as the three pick if he has to share time with McFadden? Well, it sinks. You know, it totally yeah, it goes, it goes way down. Yeah, and and that's yeah. the thing about dynasty because you you shouldn't be short sighted, but at the same time, when you do that, you are declaring that hey, you know, we're spending a very high pick here. We uh, we will get our value for this pick, but not right now because there's another back in the wings. And if if you got a back like McFadden, well, that's that's just uh, that's that's just uh, two high coveted draft picks that you've got on your team. If they do something like that, it really confuses the situation for dynasty drafters everywhere. Okay, well, I, I got a scenario for you, real quick, Scott. Uh, talking about dynasty drafting, would you rather take the best player available or that's going to, say, uh, an Oakland Raiders or a Cincinnati Bengals. 
Or would you rather take a player that probably isn't, you know, on the top of your radar, but maybe is going to a uh, Pittsburgh Steeler or a uh, New England Patriot or a New Orleans Saints? What which direction would you go? Would you take that best player that's going to a weaker team, or would you take, uh, you know, a ten, fifteen different player going to a better team? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question, Mike, and it, and it begs more discussion for sure. Uh, it, it depends on the situation. I'll just say it like that. I mean, sometimes that makes me want to trade down from that pick and not have to make that decision. Try to get out of that pick any way you can. Right. Let somebody else have it. And, and have them make that decision because, you know, I don't like to be sitting there waiting for a couple of years for guys. However, I realize that sometimes that's what you need to do because these guys do have that talent. They, they Sometimes they just take a little bit of time. I mean, look, if you're sitting on Felix Jones, you can't trade this guy. You sat on him for a couple of years waiting for him to develop. Now he gets his probably his best chance he's had. I'm not saying he's going to do it. I'm just trying to throw a comparison out here. You need to you need to kind of give these guys patience, and, and then, you know, they'll hit. D'Angelo Williams, if you drafted him, it took him several years before he finally broke out. It took him, like, his third year, and then he finally broke out and, and made a big splash. Uh, same with Richard Mendenhall. Sometimes you have to play the waiting game, and other times you just want your cake right now. And, and a lot of these running backs will give that to you. Wide receivers, not so much. Wide receivers, you have to catch – you know, lightning in a bottle, and usually even your stud elite wide receivers that come out, the Calvin Johnsons, the Roy Williams, when they were, you know, the Larry Fitzgeralds, these guys, it doesn't it doesn't happen in year one. It usually happens year two, year three, year four, and you got to be or a little bit or, patient. Or, or, right, huh? or it may never happen. I mean, you know, I mean, you've had your Ted Ginn that, you know, he was going to be good, and you've had a lot of players that uh, were going to be, uh, you know, this and that, but that they've never produced. So uh, wide receivers, you know, you're right. That is a different category uh, when you're talking about uh, dynasty and uh, uh, developing your team. Uh, wide receivers and running backs, that's a two different beasts. Yeah. Uh, other backs, man, there's, there's several other backs here. Obviously, one we want to talk about is Deion Lewis from Pittsburgh. Uh, you know this name really well from that uh, that bowl game. Remember that game, yeah. Mike? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. 105 yards and a touchdown versus Kentucky. What, what, yeah. what bowl was that? The Music City Bowl or something? But uh, Deion yeah. Lewis, uh, 5'8", 195, very small back, 219 carries, 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns. He's not the biggest back, but he's dangerous. And, uh, you know, he has outstanding vision. And I've liked Lewis ever since the first time I saw him play. He's a short, stocky running back, you know, uh, kind of like the MJ dude or, or the MJD, the Armand Bradshaw, Ray Rice mold, you know. They, they've shown that backs like him can thrive in the pro game. And, you know, they'll look at his lack of size and say that's the, you know, he's too small like Darren Sproles. He's not Darren Sproles small, but he is small. And, but he runs with a low, strong base, and he's difficult to get right. that clean hit on because he's so shifty. Now, yeah. having said that, there's some serious legitimate concerns with Lewis, too. He doesn't appear to have that long, blazing speed that you need, and, and he might get caught from behind. Uh, but, look, these backs, uh, Westbrook, Bradshaw, Rice, MJD, 
they they managed to tip the scales over 200 at the combine, and I'd like to be able to see. Uh, I'd like to see Deion Lewis do that, and if and, and if he can put on a little bit of weight and perform reasonably well in the workouts, I don't I don't see why he can't emerge anywhere from maybe the second, you know, through the fourth round and become an asset. He's probably not quite as good as Rice and Drew and those guys, but I think he's similar. So I don't know. What you know, think? I mean, I've seen a little bit of him. Uh, I, I don't see him being uh, higher than a fourth round. I really don't uh, because I think a lot of teams are they're going to start building within uh, as far as the uh, O-line and the defensive line. Uh, you know, he, is he a special talent? I don't think so. Is he one of those elite guys that you can go out and uh, say, you know, this is going to be my next guy? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, so, you know, I think that's where, you know, in a lot of dynasty drafts, uh, in a lot of uh, redrafts, well, not redrafts, but in a lot of dynasty drafts uh, where you're getting these uh, rookies, you know, after your uh, second round, I think it's going to really turn thin, and I don't think it's going to be one that's going to be uh, high on the chart. You've got Shane Vereen from Cal, my 230 carries, 1,100 yards, 13 touchdowns. Uh, the measurables, 5'10", 204. Uh, he does catch the ball a little bit. He's been a very solid player for the last three years at Cal. And, and I think he's, he's a classic example. This, this back is a classic example of a back who does everything well but doesn't stand out in anything. He's a, he's a B-grade player in terms of speed, right. size, power. Quickness, everything in Madden. He's a he's an average guy, and, and, and I don't know if that's enough to succeed in the NFL. But he's he's worth a look if he lands on a team with a a shaky you know running back situation. But look, he's all Pac-10 honors. Uh, he's a three down back. He's 21 years old. He, he's speedy. Uh, he, he also brings a return game. He's good on returns. So somebody some team might need him there. Um, and, and, and it sounds like he's a high-character guy, too. Everything I've read about this kid, he could be a steal looking for, like, a versatile back, kind of like job at best, you know. Okay. Uh, kind of a do-everything do type. You know, and that's fine, but I don't I don't really see – will he make an impact in three years with any team in the NFL? That's what I'm looking for. Does this guy – can I envision this guy being my starting running back in fantasy football within three years. I don't think so. And at that point, uh, he's 24, and he's a journeyman. He's kind of like a, a Tim Hightower type guy. I mean, is he really going to make an impact on my team? So is he worth that pick at, at say, your uh, uh, 211 or your 38, your 39? I don't know. I, I'm not going to go with it. We've also got uh, Daniel Thomas. We haven't talked a lot about him. He's been one of the actual the higher-rated backs before a couple of these other guys that I mentioned, but 300 carries at Kansas State, Mike, 1,585 yards, 19 touchdowns. Look at these stats. 230-plus versus UCLA on 28 carries, 260-plus versus North Texas. He had over 100 yards on versus Texas, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. He had over 180 versus Iowa State. And in that bowl game versus Syracuse, he had a three touchdown game. So this kid, he's a big bruising back at six foot two and two hundred and thirty pounds. So another big back that we're talking about. He's in the Ricky Williams mold. 
He can carry it 30 times a game. He's not one of the fastest guys, but he has that ability to add a yard or two on every carry because he's so damn strong. And Look, we right. saw him. He blazed out of the gates this year. He had over 550 yards in his first three games, and he cooled way off after that. But, uh, you know, some guys, I remember, uh, I think EBF on football guys, he was saying that he reminded him of Matt Forte. Uh, maybe he has similar potential to that, but I tell you, I, I, there's something about this kid that I'm going to dig a little bit deeper because K-State's not really known for this type of running back. And to have a guy that's 6'2", 230, uh, and, and, and can just really pound the ball, there are teams that need that. We saw that with Peyton Hillis in Cleveland, and, and that Hillis and Hardesty combination is going to be something to watch this year. And, and, and Hard- Hillis isn't going anywhere. I know a lot of people are down on Hillis, but will you – that, that pass on Peyton Hillis, and you forget what this guy is all about. There were plenty right. of games that he absolutely took over and dominated the, the team's defense on the other side of that ball, and he will be back. Hardesty will be back. That will give Hillis the rest he needs. Do not try to sell this Peyton Hillis kid off just yet. I, I'm, I'm really shocked at the fantasy world. Sometimes they, they operate with their own rules and their own agendas sometimes, and, and all I'm hearing is, is people just already giving up on Hillis like he's an elite back. I think he showed us everything he needs. Well, you know what, Scott, uh, the one thing that I want to everybody to uh, remember and uh, please play this back is all these running backs that you just mentioned, uh, with the exception of Hillis. Now, I'll touch on the Hillis Center here in a second. But all these running backs, uh, these new ones that uh, are going to be drafted, we 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 gotta we gotta understand how effective are they uh, coming out of the backfield? How effective have they been in college? <clears throat> excuse me, um, catching the ball, the receptions, because that's the way a lot of these NFL systems have gone to. You have to have a running back that's going to be you know that's got to be able to get that third and three jump off pass uh, and things like that. Uh, Peyton Hillis. He can do that with no problem, and he can run linebackers over. He can run safeties over. Uh, that guy's a beast, and why his dynasty value would decrease, I don't know why. Yeah, they're talking about him in the chat room. 75 catches, 61 possibly. Uh, you know, again, with Hardesty, you know, Hardesty will pick up some of those receptions uh, to keep Hillis fresh and, get, and, and to, to help them finish the season. You've got a young quarterback here. I think Colt McCoy will be the, uh, the the starting quarterback when that happens. You got Muhammad Masakoy on one side. You got you got talented players. They just got they need a couple extra pieces, you know, and they'll and they'll be right there. They need a a real solid tight end weapon, and then they need a, a dangerous wide receiver on the outside, and and, and maybe they can draft they're an not, AJ Greener. They're not far off, Scott. I mean, especially in that division, they they are not far off from being where they want to be. And, uh, I, I agree with you, Mike. I think, I think Cleveland is, is a team that will get there much faster than Cincinnati. Cincinnati already had their I time. Agree. Cleveland Cleveland can get on that competitive level in short order because I like what I saw from uh, Colt McCoy. But let's, let's finish up these running backs. We've got a couple minutes left in the program. Um, there, there's another back we haven't talked about that, that that is getting some love. It's another UConn back. I don't know if you can get into UConn backs after what we saw from uh, Donald Brown, but – this Jordan Tottenham kid, 5'9", 195 pounds, they're, they're talking about him possibly going to the Dolphins in the second round. Both strength and speed. He was a workhouse at UConn. Uh, 
He's got good hands out of the backfield, 330 carries, 1,700 yards, 14 touchdowns. Those are legit stats in the Big East, okay? 220 yards versus Pittsburgh, Mike. Now, in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma, 120 yards. So let's, let's kind of shed the label here about UConn running back. You run for 120 yards versus Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl, 220 versus Pitt. You need a second look. And when you, when you carry the ball 334 times, I don't care who you are, you've got something. So Jordan Todman, another guy we might want to look at, uh, take a closer look uh, before your draft day. When you start acquiring and gobbling up picks here in, in the first round, there's plenty of backs here that are going to make an impact. Two more backs I want to bring up, Mike, before we go. All right. They're both from the state of Kentucky. Bilal Powell, 6'1", yep. 215 yards, played at the University of Louisville. And Derek Locke from Kentucky, you know him. Despite missing four games, he put out a great season last year. A lot smaller back, 5'8", 186 pounds. But right. he's a threat in the return game. And, and he showed a lot of people in the senior bowl a good performance. Uh, he only... He was only shadowed or overshadowed by my boy, Bilal Powell, who was the leading runner in the senior bowl. So, you think he'll be drafted, Mike? Real, real, quick, on, real quick on those two. Uh, Locke, uh, he's flashy. Powell is strong. Powell is a much uh, stronger back, and I think the NFL might uh, – they're going to take a lot uh, harder look at Powell uh, before they will at Locke. Yeah. Yeah, Locke is, Locke is going to get some more. If he gets to, he'll definitely be on a practice squad at the very least. If he doesn't get drafted, though, people are going to look at him for his ability to do a Darren Sproles-type role, a real playmaker role, special teams and punt returns. Bilal Powell has that true ability to pound the rock and be that guy yeah. that, can, that can be a first and second down back. And 230 carries for Louisville, 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns. Could have put up a lot more because he didn't play a whole lot. So he could have had a big, right. big season, and he was in store for that. And he, and he had plenty of highlights. So that's another two names you want to watch for. John Quinn Rogers, I like the kid, but he, he's just a little too small for my taste. Uh, again, five foot seven, but he does weigh 190 pounds. So And he caught 78 balls in 2009. Like this kid, a lot of people will pass on him for his size, but – and he's not in every debate, every down back, but he reminds me of like a Dexter McCluster. You know, I think the sky's the limit for him as far as playmaking potential. He's definitely, definitely a third down back and a slot receiver return type guy, Reggie Bush type guy. I don't know. Did you ever see Jeff Quiz Rogers, Oregon State? Real talented kid. So that'll do it, man. That's all the running backs that we've got here. There's lots more where that came from. We'll do some more next week. Uh, we hope to have a big show next week where we're debuting some fantasy players, uh, the fantasy player rankings that we've been looking forward to. All the stats are in. They've been compiled. They've been flipped upside down and downside up. And every contest has participated as best they can. There's a world ranking coming out. We're hoping to release it next Friday. We'll let you know as soon as we get confirmation of that. So we want to do that next Friday. That'll be a big, big show. So, everybody in the chat room, thanks for joining in. Uh, we appreciate you. Had a lot of fun. Louisville got a big win, Mike. That was the main thing tonight. Louisville <laughs> over UConn. Uh, man, they needed that win, baby. That's a 20-win season they for did, They did. They did. And uh, good job, Cards. And uh, Scott enjoyed it as always. A chat room enjoyed it as always. See you next week. Guys. You've been listening to 
Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.